The Floor Academy podcast is sponsored by Trelama, the trade labor marketplace, where businesses can find skilled trade labor, such as flooring installers, and where flooring installers and other skilled tradespeople can find permanent or project work. You can set up your profile at trelama.com, T-R-A-L-A-M-A.com, or download the app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. And remember, Trelama is always free for skilled tradespeople. Welcome to the Floor Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hedin, owner of Illustrious Hardwoods in Phoenix, Arizona. We are here to talk with flooring professionals from all across the country about the issues that matter to you. This week's guest is Michelle Winters. Michelle owns and operates New Braunfels Flooring in New Braunfels, Texas, and is also the creator of the Women of the Flooring Business Group on Facebook. After partnering with a successful installer in her area to help him get a showroom, Michelle was one day out of the blue, left with an entire company to run and no flooring experience. Through dedication, drive, and knowing that success exists, she has been working hard to conquer the flooring world. The passion she has found for business has spilled out, and she is also helping others to reach their goals and dreams. Listen in to hear an inspiring story, great business insights, and learn how you can help change your industry. Michelle Winters, are you on the line? I'm here, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you for joining us on the Floor Academy podcast. Um, this is a little bit of a different one because I I haven't been reached out to a whole bunch about being on the podcast, but you you reached out to me and you you flattered me and and said that I have influence, and I and I laughed at that because I don't really know how much influence I have. I I hope that I. I'm helping more than anything. That that's really the case here. But uh, you you presented an idea to me, and I would I would love to get into that. But um, let's let's have you kind of like introduce yourself, and we'll talk a little bit about your background, and then I, I think we'll kind of end on on what you're looking to do now, and we'll get into it from there. Okay. Well, I'm. Uh talking to you from New Braunfels, Texas. We're located between San Antonio and Austin in the Hill Country, and I own a specialty retail flooring store with my uh, business partner, who um, together with him, we've, we've grown it to become a really beautiful shop and, and done really well. We've got some really exciting things coming up. Um, and so I, I attribute the success of this store not only to my, my good working relationship with my business partner, but the connections that I've made within the flooring business with other entrepreneurs like yourself. Um, I came into it totally, um, totally a novice. I didn't know anything about the flooring business. But I'm really excited about the work that I'm doing now and the direction that the industry is headed as a whole. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, flooring is it's rewarding no matter what end you're on, because it, I don't I'm, I'm changing some stuff up with my company and, and I'm going to go in the direction of saying bringing new life to your home as a tagline. And I think that's really what we get to do is, is people mm-hmm. hire us and bring us in and 
you transform their space and and you make them love mm-hmm. it again. And I, I think that is great work. Um, but uh, so you came in as, as a novice. So what were you doing before flooring? So before flooring, I actually was working in a real estate office and I started working there oh, about four years before I got into this endeavor as an assistant to the owner of the real estate brokerage. Um, so as he grew that business with my help and with my support, um, together we, we started to look at other opportunities to grow other businesses. Mm -hmm. Today he's my business partner and that meteoric rise from assistant to business partner was a huge growth process for me. I changed the way that I looked at opportunities. I changed the way that I looked at obstacles. Um, Today, as my business partner, he is someone that really motivates me because no matter what the circumstance is, I've learned that there is always a way to figure it out. When I first started working for him as an assistant, I had I had every legitimate excuse in the book. I was a single parent to two toddlers. I was in a massive child custody case. I had all kinds of problems with my ex-husband. I had health issues. I was struggling to get by. I mean, all the things that you could use to make excuses for why you're not doing more and doing better. And he's just real black and white and helped me to see how I could transform those excuses into reasons and motivation to do and create more. And so um, we've both approached our flooring business with that kind of mindset. And if I hadn't entered into the flooring business with that mindset, it definitely could have failed because it's not an easy business to be in, although it is very rewarding in the end. The process of getting from somebody coming through your door to the the thrill and the delight on their faces once you successfully transformed their space can be arduous. It's a very difficult thing to systemize because every unique flooring installation is so different. Yeah. So that that was really difficult for me to try and develop a system where we could consistently project revenue and um, consistently take preventative measures to avoid schedule slips or problems with installations. And I really had to have an ironclad will that I would figure it out. Otherwise, it would have kicked my butt. Well, you're talking about some high level ideas here that I don't know a lot of businesses are looking at. You know, you're looking at being able to have standard operating procedures to ensure things are happening. And you're talking about even even from the beginning, you know, you were, oh, I'm a single mom and I got a custody battle and I got these kids and oh, woe is me and Debbie Downer. And like I get it. Like that's if you would have talked to me five years ago, 10 years ago, I would have been in the same boat. And it's that mindset is 100 percent a difference in what you will be able to accomplish when you take that, you know, man, it stinks like I'm really sick of being in this position I'm in, but I got to get out of it and I can change. Like it, 
you really can use it as motivation instead of just saying like, oh, that's the way it is. Like, I'm going to stay here. So I, I love that you had somebody that's been able to mentor you out of that and into the place you are, your business partners with them now. And you've been able to take that and roll it into this industry that, like you said, can be challenging to get somebody from start to finish and make sure that it goes as smoothly as possible when there's a million hiccups along the way. You know, is the material going to show up on time? Is that is something going to be back ordered last minute? Uh, is your installer going to flake on you? There's a there's a lot of moving parts in there. So um, why don't we I, we kind of talked off offline a little bit here off the phone a little bit. So you you ended up having the flooring business with your partner in, in a strange way. So let's let's talk about that for a minute and then we'll we'll kind of keep on moving down the line here. You know, um somebody that came to the realization that really anything is possible um from that perspective, I was just so fired up, so excited because to me, from my perspective, I'd overcome things that statistically people can end up losing years of their lives to. Mm -hmm. And so I just really wanted to shout at everybody, hey, that thing that you're dreaming of, it's totally doable. You don't have to just keep it in the back of your head as a one day this could happen type thing. Like you can realize your dreams and live a life that you love. And so I was always looking for opportunities to push people in that direction. And I came in contact with an amazing dollar, just the hard to come by type artisans, a real craftsman. He did multiple flooring installations with us in real estate and we just noticed how dedicated he was dedicated he was to the art of flooring installation and he commented a couple of times oh if i only had a showroom i'd be so successful and um i just kept telling him hey why not i'll help let's do it this is all it would take let's do it how hard can it be you know there's a bunch of flooring stores out there really this has got to be <laughs> so within reach like right yeah <laughs> Um, so we, we did it. We partnered with him and his wife who both managed daily operations while we acted as advisors and kind of provided the infrastructure and the, the fence post for the path that they were on. And they did, I think, better than they thought they would. And that's where I had to confront the fact that I can't strong arm somebody into the of seeing the fulfillment of their dreams because one of the reasons that people don't become successful is because maybe they have some self-limiting beliefs where maybe they don't think that they deserve it or they're Mm -hmm. worthy of it Mm -hmm. or whatever because we opened the doors and things were going really really well and the better that they got the better and stronger that the business got the weaker that this couple became and they they started to do some strange things but I didn't have a whole lot of a heads up before one day I'm just minding my own business and I get a phone call from that same installer that I admired so much. And he had this story of how he followed the signs and the Lord brought him to Hawaii. I mean, overnight he was in Hawaii because he was called to open a shell shop there. I mean, I'm talking about, I I witnessed somebody completely lose their mind. And 
I didn't understand why they would drop everything that we had worked so hard to create Mm -hmm. and just up and call me from Hawaii and say, I'm out. And the only thing that makes sense is they weren't ready to experience that level of success. So, yeah, irregardless, no matter what it is that, that took them across the ocean to explore whatever, I suddenly had to figure out how to run a flooring business like that day. Mm-hmm. So we had jobs in progress, installers out there, and I abruptly had to realize all those little moving parts that are um, pieces of the workflow. And I had to learn how to manage um, the people that were working, the clients that were expecting um, a completed installation from us. And I got in there. I was frustrated. But I also wasn't willing to let it go. Because just like in the beginning, I said, hey, you know, anybody can do anything, so let's just do this thing. I'm like, uh-uh. This, this is not going to beat me. This is not going to defeat my idea that this is possible. I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to figure out how to make this store even more successful. And that's the road I'm on now. That's just, I mean, it's such a good... You have such a good outlook, though, is you're going to accept you're going to step up to the challenge and you're going to knock it out of the park. You're not letting it get to you. And not, I'm sure you have your bad days. We all do. You're, you get down, you get out, you you feel defeated. You you didn't do something well enough. But to just step up in that moment and say, OK, I got this. Like, I'm going to figure it out. We're going to do even better. That's that's a huge step. And I'm sure that there were other repercussions because you uh, you and your business partner obviously had something else going on on this. Uh, you know, elsewhere. So how did that kind of play out? Because now you have to step into this role as I'm in charge of this flooring store full time. So what kind of happened with that real estate side of things? You know, there was real estate. There were other things that both of us were involved in elsewhere. And it just came down to looking at um, all of the different things that we could put our effort and energy into. And I had to follow my intuition and it led me toward the flooring business, which did mean I had to get extra support in other areas to enable me to do that, to free up some time. And I also had to um, wrap up some other projects and just say I was going to turn my for now. And I really did it from a place of intuition. I knew that, you know, this was the road that I needed to take and I didn't know exactly why or how it was all going to play out. But since that time, I've learned so much that it's actually made me more capable of doing other things better Mm -hmm. that I see a huge value in that alone. Like setting boundaries. That's a huge thing for anybody in the flooring business. And I, I like to be friends with everybody. So it it was a little uncomfortable for me at first to set hard boundaries but there's people coming from every direction that will take advantage of somebody that appears to want to make everyone happy or who appears not to know a whole lot about the flooring business from the installers to the customers, to the suppliers, you'll get run over if you don't set a really hard boundary. And that's something that I've, you know, it doesn't come natural to me, but that I've learned to do and it's benefited me in every other aspect of my life as well. Mm -hmm. 
So I, what are what are some of those boundaries you're setting? Because I know for, for me, it, here we are on a on a Sunday recording this podcast. Like I don't have boundaries. This is one thing I'm really bad at. If someone texts me like 10 o'clock at night, man, I'll answer that text. I can't ignore it. Like this is my client. They got a question. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to answer it. And those are things that like I think people really struggle with, like you said. So what are some of these boundaries that you've set up to like contain – this is work. This is home. I need to be able to do certain things during certain hours and the rest mm-hmm. of it gets ignored. Mm-hmm. So, for example, here we are on a Sunday and you took an 8 a.m. appointment this morning, you told me. Yep. Which, I, wait, is it Sunday though? Is it? Yes. Yeah, it is. For, um, I think everybody has a different definition of what is rest to them. Mm-hmm. I know that I need rest at some point and it's just easy for me with the rhythm of my week to say Sunday is pure. I'm purely doing things that I really enjoy and I'm not answering demands on my time from anybody except for the three small dictators that live in my house. And I (laughs) haven't been able (laughs) to get that boundary set with them yet, but um, everyone from the outside world is kind of shut down. This happens to be refreshing and rejuvenating and um, exciting to me. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like, you know, I'm giving up any of my time. I love that you invited me to talk with you on your podcast. Um, but for the rest of the world, I really draw a line around my Sundays and protect them. And it, people will understand if you say this is the time that I need for myself. But I'll, I will get I will get back to people during the time that I haven't blocked off just for Michelle. So that's one boundary that I have in place. I'm going to rest during the weekend because that's going to bring a better me to the game Mm -hmm. when I get back into it. And, you know, for some people it's having, you know, the complete weekend, Saturday and Sunday to themselves. For some people it's having a couple of days during the week. For some people it's having a two week vacation. For me, it's, you know, Sundays. I keep, keep for myself. I don't put anything on my calendar. I kind of just go with the flow of the day and really rest up for the week that comes. Mm -hmm. But even more important than that is the boundaries between the the demands that come from people. Like, you know, there are some customers that will have outrageously unreasonable demands. And I, I kind of went from, Ooh, what can I do to, to just be extraordinary and just really impress this person to have tempering their expectations. So they meet me where I'm at instead of telling me where to go. And I think that starts at the very beginning of the relationship. When you first encounter somebody that's looking for flooring, um, you set the tone for how the rest of the transaction is going to go. And so I make it very clear at the beginning that these are the times that I'm available and this is how much time I have for you. So, so if it's 45 minutes I have with you and you need more time, we're going to schedule that for another time. And having somebody have a dedicated place in your schedule reminds them that you're not existing only to service them and whatever they can think of. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Sorry. I'm, Look, I, I, as much as I do this for everybody else to learn, I do this for me to learn, and then it gets it, I, I get thinking and and going a million different directions. Um, no, it's great. You've got to, like you said, you got to set that time and and boundaries and and you know, I I agree that when you step in and you first meet somebody, I think it's really important that you come in as the authority figure. They called Absolutely. a professional 
and they want you to be in there doing their project, right? Like they called you for flooring. They're not the professional flooring installer. They're not the professional um, store owner. They're they're not any way professional. And so if you let them dictate how the project will go to you, I think that's when a lot of these installers that you see in the forums and online complaining about these disastrous projects is because the, the client mm-hmm. has stepped up as the you know, one in charge. And that's not the case. I'm sorry. But when I walk into your project, I'm the boss. I'm going to tell you how the floor mm-hmm. is going to go. I'm going to tell you where it's going to go, how it's going to go, how it's going to be installed, what we're going to use. Like you don't get to dictate what materials we use unless you're supplying your own materials to me. Mm-hmm. And even then I might question it. There's certain materials that I outright as company policy refuse to install. Like I will get a phone call and I will outright deny your project over the phone right then and there when I hear certain materials named. So I think that's really important to have those boundaries and be able to establish them early and make sure that they know you're the one in charge. So I has that always been the case? Is this one of those things that you were kind of mentored through and you got like beat up and pushed in a corner and your your business partner was like, hey, you know, you really need to do this? Or is this something you discovered on your own or through books? Um, a little bit of all of it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I can't imagine the headaches that you spared yourself by rejecting projects where they they try and tell you which materials to use. Um, I think what I see uh, consistently between other business owners and installers who are frustrated with these these projects that have gone totally disastrous is a fear, a fear. It all comes down to fear. I'm afraid that if I don't bend over backwards and do exactly what this person wants, how they want it and when they want it, that I'm not going to survive. This business is not going to survive. But one thing I know for absolute sure is that if you honor yourself, there's going to be plenty of business. There are tons of other customers out there. So don't run yourself ragged out of fear that you won't have enough. Determine, you know, the best way to do things be the best and there will be more than enough. Yeah. Uh, And that's, I mean, I think I flipped that mindset early on, you know, before I I aim to please and I aim to please. And now I'm going to please by aiming to be the best and providing the best service possible, which means I may not be able to touch certain things. And so you got to go in with a different mindset and not, but look, you can provide great customer service without bending over backwards. You don't have to answer the Facebook message that comes to you at three in the morning because that happens. I don't know why, but it does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. So you are, you've stepped into this thing. It's a hot mess. You're, You're trying to figure it all out. I mean, what are, what are like the big takeaways here that, you know, you had to be quick on your feet. Obviously you had to adapt quickly, but like, what are some of the things that looking back now from where you are now to when you first started, like what were some of the things you implemented that really helped you be able to step into those shoes and and take over that store and get it running smoothly? Or what would have, what do you see now that would have helped you step into that role and get it running smoother, more quickly? You know, one major thing is is consumer education, right? So we, between our connections with our suppliers and different educational sources like your podcast and other things that are out there for us, 
Um, we know more about flooring than your average consumer, but the consumer may have access to this thing, the internet that knows everything. And so <laughs> they, they might already think that they know a thing or two, but we also know that there's all kinds of garbage on the internet that just isn't true. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, for me, I had to get to the source of the right information and have all of it in order to um, guide those conversations with consumers well in a way where I was providing knowledge and providing expertise that made them feel like they had arrived at somebody they could trust, but not somebody that's talking down to them. Because mm-hmm. if you start getting all these technical details and everything, people are, they're like, well, I feel stupid, you know, like maybe I don't want to work. The feeling is that Maybe they don't want to work with you. So it's this delicate thing, right? Yeah. I also know that I cannot in a million years gain access to all of the product knowledge out there and all of the information that is available. And so one of the best decisions that we made was to um, employ highly experienced leadership. We brought in a general manager with 23 years in the flooring business. So she had a lot of knowledge that would take me a long time to obtain, or she had knowledge of the sources where she could get it. So that was one big thing is just um, creating a team that each has their own um, set of knowledge and together we could all share it that way so that we knew we were presenting the right information to consumers, irregardless of what they'd read on the internet and in a way that they could accept as coming from a trusted source. Mm. So I'm assuming you have subcontractors for installers or they, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter if they're employees or not, but like, are your, are your salespeople and your installers working together to kind of communicate ideas? Cause I know a lot of challenges come from, Look, salespeople are good at sales. That's that's why they're salespeople. But they don't necessarily know how product goes in. So when they go and measure a job, there's lots of things that can be missed. And the installer shows up and they're like, well, I don't have this and that. And what am I supposed to do mm-hmm. over here? And so I know for me, like one of the things I want to do when I have a, a showroom is that my salespeople will be required to go in the field, like at least mm-hmm. once a month and, and see what installers are doing and hang out with them, get to know them. So are you doing anything like that to help kind of share the knowledge? Yeah, I don't think there's any way that the project manager, the salespeople, and the actual boots on the ground, right, the installers and their crews could possibly communicate without understanding at least a little bit of each other's world. So not Mm -hmm. only are we going from the office to the field, the field is coming into the office as well. Mm -hmm. And that way we're able to understand a little bit of everyone's language and communicate more clearly exactly what needs to be done. So I think that's super important is to have shared experiences. And through that, we continually develop the relationships with each different part of our business to where we can communicate really efficiently what the vision is for this project, what, what it's expected to look like when it's done, what, what's really important to somebody and um, what are, what are the things that are not as important, you know? That. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's huge for everyone to kind of understand, you know, you can get installers that are, are salty with salespeople because, Oh, they just, showed up and ran a tape measure over and you know added a bunch of numbers together and now they get a check like they didn't even they didn't even have to do anything and that's not the case like i i think if i i've done 
I think the most I've ever done in one day is like I've gone to like three or four estimates. And by the time I get home, I'm fried. Like I just mentally can't think anymore. And I don't even want to try and process it into numbers. But when you tell people you're going to get them numbers, you got to get it out to them. And so like it's not it it's hard in a different way. Like it's mentally exhausting to sit there and try and answer all these questions all day and, and educate the consumer on what they're going to be getting and why they need to make decisions a certain way. Whereas mm-hmm. the, the installation side is, you know, it's very physical, but there's days where it can be mentally draining too, especially early on when you're like learning how to make cuts or doing a set of stairs, it can be physically and mentally draining. And so everything kind of got this side. And I think you're, you're doing a great thing and getting everyone together to kind of see that, talk about it, experience it, share kind of, you know, Hey, I can do this and you could try this and you're all working together to have a machine Mm-hmm. That if somebody drops out, I'm assuming the, 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 you know, you're not missing a cog and everything can keep rolling along a little bit more smoothly. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the systemization strategy for the business was creating workflow where if somebody had to step out, we could still execute the plan, how it was supposed to be. So, um, I, really feel like one component that is missing from a lot of independent retailer businesses are the the workflows that protect the project from going awry if somebody has a sick day or can't be there because Mm -hmm. we're all humans working together and we have to allow for human things to happen sometimes. Yeah. So, um, that's one thing that has been really important to me was putting those standard operating procedures in place to protect the projects as they were um, working along. No, I think it's huge. Your your little tiny mom and pop business, if you only want to have one store and like one salesperson and a couple of of crews and, you know, you can do half a million, a million, maybe two million a year, like that's that's a pretty small operation, in my opinion. Why mm-hmm. should you not have the same procedures as a Fortune 500 company? Yeah, there, there's if no you difference. don't, you basically just created a job for yourself. An unending, never-ending, tedious, soul-sucking job mm-hmm. for yourself. Your business only has value as a separate entity from you if there are systems that can continue to work if you're not right there. So... I see it as important to any small retailer, whether they intend to um, do this until they die or uh, develop some kind of exit strategy or just try it out for a few years. Whatever the case is, there is huge value in creating um, a manual, a guide, a a mode of operation Mm -hmm. that can be replicated with or without you. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think there's a lot of questions that come up. You'll see it like, Oh, how much could I sell my business for is, is, could I sell my installation business? Could I, could I sell my store? Well, that depends on you. What's it worth? How much do you do annually? Is it something that somebody can step in and it doesn't matter that, you're not the face of the company anymore. Is it, do people trust the name or do they trust your face? You know, there's, there's so many different little things that go into it, but 
if you have these procedures in place that somebody else can step in and start following them and produce the same numbers as you, that's how you're going to mm-hmm. be able to scale a business. That's how you could franchise a business. It's not based off of just you being there. And like you said, you know, you own right. a job at that point. And that's not why I started my business. I didn't want to own a job. Right. I, wanted to, I want to own a business. I want to own something I can step away from and it continues to create me revenue. That would be, that's the mm-hmm. ideal, right? Like that's why we mm-hmm. did this or at least why that's why I did this. I don't know why you did it, but <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. I, that, that's the point of this podcast though, is I want to get people thinking bigger you know we need to we need to learn what we earn but we need to be learning the right stuff it's we have to be able to get to where we are at the the top um yeah there's there's statistics that i've seen you know and it's if you take 100 people and only like one of them's gonna be totally fine with money and then four more are gonna be able to be like millionaires and be like financially stable and the rest, the, the other 95 people are pretty much like paycheck to paycheck or, or, or worse. You know, there's not a lot of mm-hmm. people with savings and stuff. Right. I, I want to help people be that 5%. We, we need yep. to grow and, and get out of this. And yeah, I'm sure you can testify to this. It hasn't been easy. You've had to do all the extra work up front. You can't do it on the back end. Mm-hmm. So where I totally agree. And I think that's why this podcast is so important. Like let's take the five percent and let's make it a bigger number mm-hmm. because if we are all connected, we can crowdsource our issues. Mm-hmm. You know, we can crowdsource the obstacles and the dilemmas that we want we come into. And across like between a hundred people, we've seen a lot of stuff, right? So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can benefit from each other's experience. And that's exactly why I wanted to create a group for flooring store, flooring business people mm-hmm. who were like-minded, who, who share my values and, and believe that together we can create something better for all of us. Well, there's the perfect transition. So you have, <laughs> you, you have started this flooring group. Um, so mm-hmm. let's let's talk about that because it is kind of it's a little bit more specialized than just being a flooring group, is it not? Mm-hmm. It is. It's um. It's cr- it was created for women specifically who are in the flooring business, um. And the vision is for everybody to develop the skills that they have, have better access to more tools in order for them to up level and arrive at really the highest and best form of success for them. Mm-hmm. And it is women of the foreign business and that's not intended to exclude men. It's just, I'm a woman and I wanted to connect with people that have a, a similar outlook and similar set of experience as me. Um, but there are men in the group too, who have, who realize that women are an empowering force. When a group of women gets together and puts their mind to something, it's highly unlikely that it's not going to happen. Let's just, oh yeah, let's just tell it like it is. Okay. So mm-hmm. we do have men in our group that realize what a force of nature a group of women can be. It's not anti-male at all. It's just, let's get together and let's, um, let's push everyone forward. 
No, I think that's great. And I think, you know, look, there's plenty of groups for men out there. Like, there's no reason to sit there and be like, oh, it's for women only. And like you said, you you have men in it, and that's that's fine. They just need to be open-minded and not the, the stereotypical man that hates on women and you can't work in a trade and you can't own a business and you're dumb and we don't we don't need that obviously you're not having that um but i th- i think it's great because there there are unique challenges because there are still pig-headed people out there that are going to tell you you can't do it and you're just a woman and you have like your situation you know you were going through a custody battle and you were trying to raise these toddlers and you were a single mom and you're probably not making a lot of money at first and you you found this position and this guy helped bring you up and educate you and and now you're in a totally different position where you are free from all of that and so not only are you giving mm-hmm. back and trying to empower others which is awesome but it doesn't have to be the way you think it is because you're a woman in society. And sadly that still comes with slightly negative connotation. It does. And anything I think in the building or construction field, um, many women have the shared experience of walking into situations where we're competing with all males and we just kind of get written off which is okay with me because I can quietly watch my competitors um, shoot for the same job that I'm shooting for and then come in with something that is um, better than what people expected from a woman. You know, even in, in the store, it being a boutique specialty retail shop, it has the feeling of a mom and pop shop. And a lot of times, like, especially in on the professional side of things, builders and whatnot, they think I'm the wife that's just, you know, watching <laughs> the books and turning on the lights every day and sweeping the floors. And <laughs> they're like, okay, so when can we, t- where's the, where's the owner? When can we talk to him? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, they can be a little bit hesitant when they discover that I'm running the show, um, which doesn't bother me, but it's a, it presents um, a unique situation that we have to learn to kind of work around is preconceived notions about who can and cannot um, do a successful flooring installation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we deal with that. Like I said, though, Um, I think there's a lot of power in partnerships. And when we're working with professional clients, it is a a partnership of sorts. We're an extension of their business. And we have a lot to bring to that because a lot of times um, the end buyer, their client, is observing how we're handling our part of the job. And my goal is for them to be super impressed so that they think very highly of their builder or whoever it is that's in charge of that um process so um my partnership with my business partner um us being male and female we both recognize that we have different perspectives and in fact bringing two totally different perspectives to the table is creating this form of combustion right because it's like rocket fuel we have very different Um, very different dispositions and very different perspectives. But when we combine those for the same shared objective, we're so powerful together. 
Mm. There's there's a key f- feature right there is that you're you're open minded enough to not think that it has to be your way. You're you're willing to hear somebody out, listen, and combine the two and compromise and work together to, like you said, it's it's rocket fuel. You're trying to get it to combust and and lift off and go at a faster pace as opposed to, well, we grew by two percent. Well, we grew by five percent. Right. Like, you know, you're looking for those big. 10, 20, 30, 40% gains year over year. And you're going to be able to get that when you're having multiple ideas come from multiple sources. Yeah. Yeah. And so to men or women of the flooring business, I would say friction is okay. It is okay to work with people who don't acknowledge your expertise right off the bat. Because if you were working with people who agreed with everything you said all along the way, everything that you are all along the way, you wouldn't be having the same level of growth opportunity as you are. You're right. 2% is, is tidy. That's nice. But 2% isn't enough for me because I know that we can grow more rapidly. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of growth that occurs after that initial friction is resolved. You got to, you got to fight. It, it's just one of those things. You got to fight through everything. Uh, you know, how mm-hmm. much, how much head trash did you have to fight through to get to the point you're at today? It wasn't easy, but it's been worth no, it. No, it's a long road. So yeah. it's it's the same thing. You know, you're going to have to fight through what's working, what's not. Maybe it's not your idea, and that, that stings. But if you can work through it, you're going to get to where you want to be. I, I, I like mm-hmm. it. You know, you've got to... You got to deal with the BS <laughs> to be able to yeah. grow. Yeah. Uh, how... You're working with the builders, like you said, they, they, they're, they you know, hey, when do we get to meet the owner? Where is he or, you know, is your husband around or, mm-hmm. or all that kind of stuff? Do they get intimidated by you once they learn that you're the successful owner of the store? And does that like change their demeanor towards you once they finally realize that? Or does it have you had clients walk away because they're completely intimidated by your position now? I don't know if intimidation is a factor or what exactly it is, but everything is a unique situation. And I have no shame in pulling in a male counterpart like my business partner or a design consultant that's a man or something like that so they can compare side by side what they're getting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's smart, though. I have, yeah, I have no issues doing that. So if the situation calls for it, I'll absolutely pull a guy in to you know, make somebody comfortable mm-hmm. and open to accepting us as a potential flooring partner. Um, and ultimately, when we get past that hurdle, we end up being um, having a really positive relationship. So maybe in some cases, I'm walking away, maybe in some cases, other people are walking away. But then there's those cases where we get past that, and we have a really good working relationship. Mm-hmm. So Whatever it takes to establish that, I'll, I'll do that. And okay. It just depends on each individual person and company and scenario. Yeah. Well, and you're putting the business first, and I think that's key, is you're not trying to convince somebody that they need to buy from you because, well, look, I'm, I am I can do it. Look, I've already proven it. I have all this behind me. It's, mm-hmm. okay, if Fred's going to make you more comfortable, here's Fred. He's fully competent. He can help you out, and you can move on to the next person in line. and. Yeah, facilitate that transaction. So it, yep. it's a good way of looking at it and dealing with it. And as long as you're not getting, you know, butthurt about it, 
and and all mm-hmm. worked up that you know oh he doesn't want to deal with me because I'm a woman or whatever the case may be I I think that's that's great and that's that's really insightful for people to be able to look at you know because I know. Mm-hmm. There's probably times where I I go out and into a home and I'm talking with the wife and things can get over her head quickly because I'm like, oh, we got to look at this and that and the other thing. And they're like, the other guys just came out and measured. Well, look, I'm not just a salesperson. I'm looking at it from the install side. Like, let's talk about these things and really work you through them. And it can Mm -hmm. probably be intimidating and it's not always fun, but that's the approach I take. And so it, it... works for some and, and not for others. I think if I brought my wife out, I don't even know if that would work, but if theoretically, if I brought my <laughs> wife out and she was able to be there and kind of facilitate that conversation, it, it, there would probably be a much gentler approach to it than, than I have. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely, there's a case for, for both sides to, to really be present. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's yeah. go back and you can listen to the, Oliver and, and Brianna um, interview their husband and wife tile team and they work all day together and live in a tiny home and it blows my mind. But they're kind of they're able to tag team those moments because they both go and look at projects. And I think that's a, a really unique way to present your business is that you have these two unique perspectives there. So mm-hmm. um, let's see. What else do we got? Do you have any uh, female installers? No, but I am open to any of them. There are some female installers across the country whose work I very much admire. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there aren't in, any in my immediate area, but those women installers are tight. So I have broadcasted that if they come in contact with anyone moving to my area or if they know someone that might want to learn this trade in my area, mm-hmm. I'm happy to fully embrace them and and support them in doing so. Um, You know, a lot of owners right now are talking about the installer crisis. There's not enough installers. And I don't really believe that that's the case. There's a lot of people that can install flooring and who are really good at it. But maybe they're not working for the independent retailers because, A, a lot of these women installers go unnoticed so that's mm-hmm. a huge set of um labor that is just getting passed up because it's outside of people's preconceived notion of who an installer should be and b these flooring store owners need to stop being so cheap it's just <laughs> thank like you yeah there's supply and there's demand the supply you know we can't treat installers like they're an afterthought they are everything they're everything to our business Mm -hmm. so why don't you want to pay them for that yes if you try and get the cheapest installers out there you are going to have a crisis but the crisis is not the installers the crisis is you uh i look i'm gonna i'll I'll play devil's advocate and honestly it's needed here. I look, I look at it that way because I don't do any work for any stores because I haven't been able to negotiate the terms I want. They, they don't want to play ball with the prices I, I give them. And I get that you want to put the money in your pocket. Well, I'm trying to put the money in mine. Um, right. However, there, I think there is a installer crisis and it's not, that there's a lack of installers, there's a lack of qualified installers. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's going to be the key is they want good work at cheap prices and you can't mm-hmm. th- th- that doesn't go hand in hand. So we've all got to work together. Um, there's actually a really what I, I think it comes out. We're recording this, but I, I have episodes in the can. So I think two weeks prior to this, maybe three weeks, I've got a really great interview with. um Scott Humphrey from uh, WFCA, and we kind of and, and we go mm-hmm. over like installer shortage and stuff. So go back and listen to that episode; it'll be fantastic. But uh, okay. yeah, I think um, th- th- there's. I think we solve this. We solve this shortage by creating um, an outcome. If someone goes through the work to learn a trade, become qualified, um, become the best at what they do, then what do they arrive at then? And we should create the the um, the job that people want, mm-hmm. not the job that people want if they can't find another one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and if all of us as retailers are chasing like the cheapest installation prices, then um, we're going to create this fallacy where consumers are going to think, oh, this is what flooring installation costs. No good flooring installation, good tile installation costs this nowadays, you know? So we all need together really provide a good job for guys and and installers that they want to come to, that they want to work toward. Otherwise, why would you, why would anyone learn this incredibly complicated skill? I no, I agree. It should, there's no reason that an installer shouldn't be making a six-figure income in my opinion and i i don't care if you're in like depressed rural tennessee or or georgia that you should be able to make a six-figure income you're you're destroying Mm -hmm. your body and it's not going to function properly in the future that needs to be compensated for Mm -hmm. and i think that's an often overlooked thing uh let me ask this is does texas require licensing of any kind to do the trade or no it's completely unregulated here. Okay. So it's on us as flooring professionals to set the standards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even I think, it's even harder. Yeah. So I and that's been so for Arizona, we have to get a license from the state and then we're mandated to put a two year warranty workmanship warranty on it. And mm-hmm. one of the one of my problems that I've encountered with the stores is that I go in and I say, look, here's my prices. I know they're higher than what you usually pay, but I'm required to warranty that floor for the two years, not you. And they say, no, 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 that's mm-hmm. on us. And I say, no, no, no. Right here on the Registry of Contractors website, it says any subcontractor has to be licensed so that it falls on them. Yeah, otherwise you're an employee and then it would fall on your license. And they, they're they like, no, no, we'll just handle it if that happens. I'm like, no, 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 I'll handle it. Pay me the money. <laughs> and so there's like this contention of like who's going to be responsible for the warranty and they want to claim they get to be responsible for it for the money and i'm like no i want the money like that's my work i'll back yeah. it up that's why i have the license and i have the bond and i have general liability insurance like all of these costs i whether you pay me for it or not i still have to cover so i'm going to make sure i get paid right. and i think you know there's the problem is that you want to have subcontractors right as a store owner but then you want to pay them like employees well how do they afford the insurance and 
payroll taxes and all of those things, workman's comp, when you're paying them like an employee. The numbers right. don't add up. Well, here's the importance of the power of connecting with other people in the business all over the place. Like every state is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, some fall under some categories and some fall under different categories in terms of regulation. But why can't we together as an industry take the best parts from each different state and establish kind of a, 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 a spoken code of how, how we operate so that, as they say, rising tides can raise all ships. Yes. We'll all do better yeah. if we take the best from each different geographical area and establish the standard. I, I agree. And I think there's some of that going on. You know, this, I think I was able to get into flooring at a very interesting time. So I, I, you know, I've been doing it five years and the internet's around now. Podcasts are around the, the transfer of information is much faster than it used to be in the, in the past hundred years, for sure. If even in the past 20 years, the transfer of information is much quicker. And there are groups that are encouraging that, you know, you can get into your, you know, you can go to the Floor Academy group, you can go to the Tile Money group, you can go to Flooring Installers of America, there's the Real Masters of Hardwood. There's lots of groups where um, all of this information is is being exchanged at a high level and people are leveling up a lot quicker than they used to. So it, it's happening. I see that, I see that happening. I, I see that happening and I think... How are we going to orchestrate and organize all of this effort to produce um, something that is across the board accepted as mm-hmm. the terms of doing business with a flooring professional? That's something for you to think about, Kyle. How are we going to pull everyone together? Oh, uh, you know, we're just going to have to start having our own conferences. <laughs> All right, all right. Where should it be? Where should it be? Twenty 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 one. Is it? Honestly, still going to be virtual? No, no, because I don't do that. I'm, I'm so. Look, I, I'm. I don't want to wear my mask. I just want to go and work. I. That's me. You know what you want to do to feel mm-hmm. safe? Like, please go do. I, I'm not offended by you or your beliefs. Let's let's state that. But I want to just get back to doing things as as they were done. Uh, I I am. Mm-hmm. I make no promises, but I am looking into trying to find a space here in like June to hold a Floor Academy oh, conference. Um, yes, it's hot, but you're coming for a flooring conference. So I don't think you're going to leave the hotel much and the rates are super cheaper yeah. during the summer. So that's that's my my reasoning for it. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, I've seen some organizations actually putting out dates for next year for in real life events. And I can't tell you, I mean, I know that there's this threat of illness, but I'm so excited at just the idea of gathering with people, mm-hmm. even if we have to be, you know, separated to some extent, just gathering with people is so exciting. Correct. I, I love connecting online, but there's just something irreplaceable that you cannot recreate online that happens when people get together that's that's it and honestly anybody that's willing to like spend money to go to a conference or a a trade show or a certification class and they're going to quote unquote lose money to do so those are my people okay when you're (laughs) willing to go and invest in yourself 
so that you can make more money on the back end with better marketing or you get better business tips or whatever it is that you're doing. Those are the people I want to go and hang out with. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. they're once again, though, that's the 5% of people that I want to get with, but can that 5% grow? Like you said earlier to 10 or 20. Yes. But it's going to take all of us working together. And then that coalition of people, we can start spreading these ideas out a little bit better but we've got to have a mm-hmm. place to come together. And so I think online is yeah. great, like you said, but it is, it's different when you're in person and you can develop that relationship. And then you know that you can really call on that person. You know, I've got people all across the country and I'm sure you do too right now that you can dial up. In fact, I know you do. I, I didn't realize it at first, the the group that you, you sent me the link to it and the picture comes up and you've got two women besides yourself in that picture that I very much respect. You've got Liz Calandrino and you've got Rachel Berlin and both of them are amazing. Yes. And I, they're both downplay each other. Those two are independently powerhouses just by themselves. So having them together is just it's incredible. Yeah. So incredible. Well, and they're, they're very humble about it. You know, neither one of them is like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm amazing. Like I'm going to be the best in in the flooring industry. They're just like, yeah, I'm all right. Like I got to learn. I'm, <laughs> I'll share with you what I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they're great. They're both just phenomenal. I, uh, you know, so what are, what kind of things are you really pushing in your, in your group? You know, obviously it's, it's, flooring women doing business stuff but like what are what are the ideas being pushed what kind of conversations are you having going in there well you mentioned rachel and liz they've each got you know a lot of they're each very powerful women and um i don't know if i'm even at their level but we're each trying to share what we know works Mm-hmm. And a lot of that falls into what you're talking about. It's investing in yourself for uh, so that you can see more on the back end, not the other way around, not working backwards. So for me, I'm sharing a lot of mindset practices and personal development tools that translate well in business development too. And then Liz, Liz has seen it all. I mean, that woman, <laughs> she's owned seven flooring stores. She's an international trainer for huge flooring companies. She is just full of information. And so she's right there. If you bring any issue to our table together, we will solve it. She's like this uber mentor that's kind of seen everything, has unlimited resources, and can really um, help with any type of situation that anybody encounters and Rachel is an interior designer turned flooring store manager so she brings to it a really acute perspective of the consumer uh, climate right now Mm -hmm. and shares how she has been so successful by um, you know working with customers that are so satisfied they turn into really raving fans and her, how we can grow our businesses exponentially with that same approach. Um, and she also has a ton of product knowledge because as a designer, she really understands that aspect of it. So she brings a lot of that to the table as well. But um, together, we're just trying to help everybody be the best version of themselves so that they can have the best outcome in business for them. And um, we really want to make it 
impossible for anybody to fail. I mean, even if they're really, really trying, the only way they could fail is if that was what they wanted. Because mm-hmm. we are giving people high-level tools, high-level masterminding, high-level resources, so that nothing is out of their reach. No, and it's... When has this stuff ever been available this easily? You know, you, you're well, talking about... Well, it in part due to this, you know, It I'm, could be in part due to this pandemic and just having to forge our connections online. I don't know. Or maybe it has been available somewhere and I didn't know about it. But I saw a way that we could do it. Mm-hmm. And decided to do it so there it is well i you're right you know okay look there's always you've always been able to go and find a mentor i I wish i would have known that at a younger age and that i would have been wise enough to do it but it's sure you could have found a business mentor all you got to do is ask and that's i think that's the biggest lesson a lot of people need to learn no is going to sting a little bit but if you ask enough times, you're going to get the yes, and it's going to feel way better than the 99 stings you got before you got the one yes. So just go ask. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to lose anything by getting a no. You can move on to the next person. Um, so could, was this information available? Could you find a mentor? Could you find that kind of stuff? Yes. But I think it's so much more readily available, and there's so many more. I don't know if it's the flooring industry. I don't know if this is going on in the other trade groups. But from what I see within the flooring industry, like from the very beginning, as soon as I found some of these groups online, there were people that were screaming from the rooftops that what is happening is not acceptable and Mm -hmm. there's standards that we need to live up to and produce to and you need to charge more. You need to go build better relationships with people like all these things that we discuss all the time. Mm-hmm. There were people screaming about that. And now, slowly but surely, there's all these little tiny niches being formed. And I, I think five, ten years down the road, this, like, standard that you want to see across the country for, like, how retailers should behave and how installers need to behave. Like, that's an achievable goal as long as we Absolutely. keep working towards it. Absolutely. I totally agree. As somebody coming in, to the flooring business kind of coming all in with no experience in flooring whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That was really a huge advantage to me because I encountered an industry that was archaic. I mean, just they've been doing things according according to these unwritten rules for so long just because they've been done for a long time that way. That's all. And, and I didn't honor any of those unwritten rules because I'm like, this is nuts. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's do this in a way that it makes more sense. I see the flooring business as a whole evolving very rapidly over the next five years. And I want to be there. I want to mm-hmm. be a part of that enormous shift that I'm seeing taking place. And if we'll all just drop our guards, we don't have to protect like every manufacturer and business model we don't have to be all protected if we stop viewing our competitors and other foreign businesses as um you know outsiders and we start viewing each other as colleagues we're all going Mm -hmm. to be able to do more and do it better and so i'm seeing it happen i'm helping it push i'm helping push it along in the way that i can and i'm really excited for everybody else who's involved definitely Uh, there's 
I think you probably had the same naive outlook that I had. And it was like, why is it this way? This is stupid. Like, this doesn't even make sense. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, because I'm third generation and that's the way. It, no, like, I don't care. Oh, my gosh. There's so much in that. Like, when you say mom and pop shops, they are the bulk of the flooring business, mm-hmm. really, are all these mom and pop shops across the country. And if you pull them, a lot of people... There's a lot of people doing what they do because their parents did it before them and their parents did it before that. And I love that gen- that legacy. But also, we are operating um, using using practices that are old. Yes. They're just, we don't have to do it that way anymore. And a lot of it has just been handed down through the generation. So this is a new generation. Let's set a new standard. That's that's exactly it. And there's it, it, you know, you get back and we can talk about this installer shortage. And like I said, it's a lack of qualified labor. Is there a lack of young people in this industry? Yes, I believe that. But who wants to join an industry where you can't get paid? It, yeah. it, uh, why would I go slave away and work as hard? You know, my son sees me come home. And he's like, I don't want to install flooring. Like, you work hard. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. You'll change your mind when you're 16 to want to buy a car. Then you'll come work for me. Mm-hmm. But I get it, you know, or I'll, I'll see online. Everyone's always spouting like, oh, promote trades, promote trades. Let's get trades back in school. And it'll be a list. And there's like welder, electrician, plumber, carpenter. There's this list of all these trades. Never once does it ever mention a flooring installer. So now we're mm-hmm. not even considered a trade anymore because it's mm-hmm. such a commodity. You know, I can I can mm-hmm. get you chuck in a truck or I can go down to Home Depot and, and pick up Jose and pay him ten dollars an hour and he's going to put my tile in for me. Well, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. tile's a luxury item. Carpet's a luxury item. All these things, they're not commodities. And yet the industry itself has driven it to being a commodity. That's yeah, the... isn't that tragic? It's, it's committing its own suicide. Yes. So I think that's really, I mean, you have the installer, you see it from the installer side of it. I see it from the retail shop owner side of it. I feel like on my end, it's our our job to really highlight what a qualified installer looks like. And it's not only physical labor, it can be a labor of love mm-hmm. and it's can be super exhausting when you're emotionally and physically depleted from your work. Yes. Um, so really holding that up and shining a light there, increasing the visibility of what differentiates qualified installers from having your chuck in the truck or your handyman install for us. What does that look like? And, um, you know, making sure that they are respected for the value that they bring by paying them appropriately um, is, is on us too. So on my side, those are the two big things that I see, consumer education and um, adequate compensation. Uh, and, and both of those are uh, – that's my language. That's what I'm built on is mm-hmm. I'm going to educate my clients and I'm going to be compensated on the back end. So I, I, that's <laughs> that's exactly what I, I see as a big problem in this industry is that there's a lack of compensation for everyone and there's – a lack of education. There's not qualified installers. There's salespeople that are out there just pushing whatever they can towards somebody that maybe that carpet wasn't the right fit for them. 
maybe they mm-hmm. should have gotten an LVP or they should have gone with a tile or maybe they needed to upgrade to a, you know, stain resistant carpet for their lifestyle. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. let's make sure we're able to educate people and listen to them. And, and that's, that's the key, right? We need to listen to the client and they're going to tell us what they want out of a purchase. And then they'll be more likely to purchase from us. Don't just shove knowledge mm-hmm. down their throat to do it. That's, that's goofy. Um, mm-hmm. they'll tell you what they want. And so that's what we need to do. Like you can educate them, but they're going to tell you what they want to be educated about. And then you're going to get, yeah. you'll get the sale. So, yeah. And I'm sure as an installer, you've also made multiple sales where you've had to go back to where somebody else has done a job for them. Not yet. Sadly, I, I have really? not. Yeah. I, right. Like I've been, I've on, been on my own two and a half years and I have not ever gotten the call where they didn't go with me yet. And I've gotten uh, called back. I have, well, have, you ever, have you ever gone back to somewhere where somebody hired, say, one of those big box stores <laughs> to do something and then they needed to call an expert to make it right? No, I, I have not. Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't get those calls yet. And it's very surprising in two and a half years that this doesn't happen. But it will. That is surprising. I also I see it all the time where they're like, I thought this was an engineered wood, but it turns out it's a laminate. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Especially the elderly, which is like mm-hmm. so mind blowing to me. They they'll they'll get the bait and switch, or yes. I guess they just get they get handed whatever someone feels like giving them, and as long as it's good enough to get paid, they're cool with that. There's, so that's you know, really sad. Yeah, no, there's there's the two. There, we have a uh, a local company that's bigger here in the Phoenix market that has those tactics and then there's the the one national brand that has very pushy sales tactics and and both of them will like I hear the stories all the time you know they they walk in and they're super pushy about buy 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 and then oh no I'm not interested I want to do that right now and immediately $10,000 comes off the price and everyone's mm-hmm. like oh wow I'm getting a really good deal and and my first thought now that I'm better educated on business is what kind of margins are you running that you can take 10 grand off right away and still be profitable? <laughs> Why yeah, is that not somebody's first crazy. thought? <laughs> that's crazy. I don't even dabble in those nickel and dining Houdini tricks. I'm just, you know, my price is my price. What we feel like it's worth. Yes. Yeah. And it's not going to go up or down, but you can be sure I'm not pulling some kind of magical, you know, act with you this is the real deal and you can take it or leave it but i'm not going to scam anybody into anything no but if you go read the reviews you'll find out you know person after person after person and then they still like it's the advertising they've got such slick advertising and so much of it that when you think flooring that's who you think and that's the sad part Mm -hmm. In, in fact one of them it, I have the the phone number memorized in my head because I grew up seeing the commercial on TV all the time. So, yeah, I, man, it's bad, but that's what they're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that you can't build that brand, though. Like, people people hate on those national companies, and, and they hate on the box stores, and they're like, oh, they're evil, this and that. Why don't you take a page out of their playbook and copy their marketing and advertising? It's working. Yeah. yeah, there is something about it that's working, right? And so if there are flooring store owners or installers out there who haven't done this, here's a little a little tip from my playbook. If you want to compete, 
call your competition and ask for what you're offering. So big big box stores out there in my market have come to my home and they've done estimates for me. So I had the entire experience start to finish of what it looked like. And then I could set those side by side and see where exactly our strengths were and where our opportunities Mm -hmm. are. Because I don't want to take some of their little slimy things that they have in their market. There's some slimy aspects of their advertising that are not totally honest. I don't want to take those. But there are components of it that are working. And yes, I will learn from those and um, take the parts of it that I like and implement those into my offer. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, are they truly your competitors, though? Or do you have competitors in your market? I think this is always an interesting question. So do you mm-hmm. have competitors or do you just have people that you can network with? So within my competitive set, if you will, there are three other local retailers that people commonly shop us against. Mm-hmm. And that's what I consider my competitive set. We are very different from all of those and I've intentionally created a very different experience from all of those to where I can say they can't compete with us because we are so different. We're not in a a group with them. We can't be grouped with them. But I do know that when consumers are looking for something like what we offer, there are these main ones that they go to. And also within our community, my research shows me that together, me and this group of three other retailers are only getting about 30 to 40% of the flooring purchases that are made hmm. by our in our market. And where are they going? Where are people going? Well, they're going to the places where they have the number memorized because they've heard it for so long. You know, they're going to those big boxes. And so, yes, um, could we get some more of that business, I think, collectively. And I view the other retailers in in my community as colleagues, although they probably don't feel the same way about me. Mm-hmm. I want all of us to get more business than we are right now as a group because I think that we all can offer something better than what people are going to get if they shop outside of the locally owned businesses. Some of them are going, you know, to the big box stores in our town. And I think some of them are going to larger cities just outside of us. Um, So by me raising the standard with my own store, I'm, you know, maybe the other local retailers are going to have to raise their standards a little bit. Mm -hmm. And maybe altogether we can get more of that flooring business because if you look at it um i think people underestimate the value of their market because they see only the portion of it that finds them somehow but i think in my in my market the majority of people are going outside of me and my direct competitive set I got a little off track there. No, did no, I answer the question? You you did because you're you're not a po- I mean, it sounds like if one of your quote unquote competitors in your uh, competitive set could offer a better product or facilitate it better, it sounds like you would maybe be willing to work with them and bring them in to help with it, 
and you would hope that they would do the same. At least that's that's kind of what I'm gathering. That's what I that's what my dream would be is that I can find other shops and installers to work with and like look if I'm busy and I can't take this project on right now in in the time that it needs to be done like here you need to call this guy he's going to take care of you and in the future hopefully they would do the same for me. Like we need to be able to have that working relationship, right? Like it, it, like you said, yeah. a rising tide lifts all, all ships. And so we, we need to all totally. work together. And it's, but you also had the insight to say, this is my competitive set. And so you know what they're doing, what they're offering, how they're offering it. And you found ways to distinguish yourself from that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You still have a business to run, but they don't necessarily have to be your direct. They don't have to be a competitor and you, and you need to hate them. And that's, I don't that's the mindset. Any of them. And yeah. In fact, I think what, what some shop owners here that are close to me don't realize is there is that much more business for all of us. And if it's us or them, okay. Us being the locally owned independent retailers here in our area versus them, anyone who falls outside of that, that people buy flooring from. Um, and when people choose, us it's a win for all of us Mm -hmm. because the more visibility and experience that people have with locally owned flooring retailers the more people are going to come to us as a whole because we all fall under the same category so let's let's all work hard to be the best in the way that we can be the best and yeah let's support each other um, a lot of people aren't very receptive to that e- idea because it's like, I, I can't send business there. Yes, you can. <laughs> because if it's, if it's you fumbling through something or you putting screen on your installers because somebody needs something by a time, which really is hard for you to get it done by, but you send it to another person, you've done that person, you've done that customer a much better service than trying to do the business yourself. Mm-hmm. And people remember that. No, that's it. And you know, you're not going to get the, a lot of these, like you said, you know, if you're only getting 30, 40% of your market and the rest of it's going to stores outside your area or into the the box stores, there's a whole lot of jobs to grab. You know, I know, yeah. look, I'm in Phoenix. This is a city of four and a half million people almost. Like I'm not worried about market share. I know there's plenty of share for me to get. And so I think I had that's a perspective that does me a favor is I'm just like, why am I not getting more? Um, and it's just, you know, I have problems growing a business and I have hangups and I'm working on that to, to make it happen. But in, in your area, right? Like what can you do to go and command more of it? How can you distinguish that my services are better? And it's one of those things is that when you have a complaint with a box store, You've got to call the supervisor who can then tell the installer that you have a complaint. The installer's right there in your home. Mm-hmm. Why can't you just go talk to the guy and fix it? Like, why do we have to get this third party involved to facilitate cost and, and all of this stuff? Like, your installer needs to have the authority to be like, okay, well, here's the change order form. Here's what it costs. Sign here. And just, like, handle it and be done with it. Yeah, that's you, one huge difference, one huge benefit that we can offer because anybody who's dealt with these com- companies and had an issue to resolve um, has probably seen how arduous it is. In fact, we went to bat for another customer who's, who we had to help 
because she was really taken advantage of um, by one of these big box stores. And so we we pursued it for her on her behalf. It escalated to corporate. Oh, wow. That's how high it had to go to reach a resolution. And a lot of people aren't going to have the bandwidth to fight that fight. I mm-hmm. mean, when they're dealing with us, they know they, they're talking to somebody who um, has expert knowledge of what they did wrong. So maybe we get a little bit further than your average consumer. But I think for a lot of people, it might turn out to be a dead end. But when you work with an independent retailer, like we're going to probably, we're probably going to, there's a chance it could bump into you at the grocery store. Okay. So I'm not going to do something stupid in your house. And if you call me and let me know that there's just this one little eyesore that you want it resolved, it wasn't quite how you expected it to be. You better believe we're going to be right on top of that. Yes. And I think that's it is like you are in the community and that's, I think that's where a lot of people can step up is they, they expect their community to back their small business, and I think community should back small business. But what are you doing for your community besides providing a couple of projects? There is a mm-hmm. there's a pizza store in in one of the cities here, and they've got what do they got one two they got four locations now, but one of the most beloved ones is in this part of the Phoenix city called Awatuki, and you can't go on the Facebook group for Awatuki and not see people recommend Zeke's pizza. And in Mm -hmm. fact, if somebody comes along and complains about them, hundreds of people will come and like rain on this dude's rant about why Zeke sucks and tell them that they, they don't understand they're missing out the blah, blah, blah. And it's because like, if somebody's house were to burn down right now in that town, they're going to be the first ones to jump on board and say Tuesday night, all orders, 10% of profits go towards, you know, helping them build their new house and covering bills. Uh, come on. We've mm-hmm. got bins in the front of our store that you can come drop off clothes. We need this, these sizes. I've seen them do mm-hmm. um, like diaper and formula drives for like teen, teen parents. There, there's always mm-hmm. something going on that gets the community involved. If the if the sports te- if the high school sports team wins a championship, they have the team down and they all get like free pizza for winning and stuff. Like they're just they back the community as much as the community backs them. But I guarantee you, it started mm-hmm. because they backed the community. Yes, and it has to come from a love of the community and an appreciation for your community and not so much from a form of Mm self-promotion because I think that's very transparent and people can sense when somebody is authentic and, and not being real. If you love your community and you want them to support you, think about what area of the community could you be a support? What lights you up? What makes you really excited for your community? Where do you see a need that you could potentially fill? And if you just offer up that um, unselfish support, pure motivated, I love your community. Uh, a love in return, but it can't be part of your marketing strategy. It just has to be part of your I think it's it's natural, you know, to the beginning of human. You're breaking up a little to bit. Watch out for each other. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it, it's okay. Um, you're you're kind of you were cutting in and out there, but it's we can kind of go I was back. I'm saying as humans, we have to have each other's backs. We mm-hmm. got to look out for each other, 
and I've seen that highlighted especially right now where there's been this disconnect between everybody. Um, if you have an opportunity to just be ridiculously kind, go and do it because. Hello? Michelle? Oh, we may have lost her, everybody. We're running long on time anyways. Oh, there you are. Michelle? Hi. Hi. Can you hear me now? Uh, now I can hear you. Um, maybe the laundry okay. room's not working out so well anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, Michelle and I each have amazing recording spaces, let me tell you. Or no, you went to your closet this time, right? And I'm in my kid's room. Like I hijacked their room to record, so. <laughs> Very professional podcasting going on here. Um, okay, so you, you've got to have, if you can go and be compassionate to somebody right now. Be overly kind. I mean, just be silly with it. Just see how incredibly kind, overly kind you can be because we really need that as a whole. Humanity right, right now just needs us all to look out for each other and express kindness wherever we can. I couldn't agree more. I, I think the fact that we've been told to, to hole up away from everybody, like, I get it. Okay, we don't want to spread it. That's not how humans are built. We need connection. We need to be with each mm -hmm. other. We need to interact. And so if you can provide that for somebody right now in a safe manner, I think that is absolutely essential and, and key. Um, I hate to do this because I, I, I have a feeling that you and I could talk for another six hours and still not be bored, but... I am way over time on this episode and like I've got, All right. I've got we, we got to stop, but that's not to say that we can't do this again. So, um, yeah, we'll do it another time. It's only a matter of minutes before a child finds me in my closet. So, I mean, my recording studio. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, all the clothes in there are very soft and they, they stop the sound from echoing. So that's the key. Um, what uh Kyle, so fun to chat with you yes well what do we need to promote what do we what do we plug in for you because we where can we find your group i'd love to invite listeners or anybody who is listening and knows somebody who might enjoy it to come onto facebook search women of the flooring business and request a request to join we will accept your request and welcome you gladly even if you're a man because she already said so but you have to be respectful yeah don't yes, go starting no yes. fights in there. That goes for everyone. That goes for everyone. Um, when you when you join our group, you'll find a community of like-minded like women who are there to support you. And we work together as a group to see everybody reach their fullest potential and enjoy life while they're doing it. Awesome. And if somebody has a question for you, can they can they reach out to you, email, phone? What If, if you're willing to sure. give that out, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. My name is Michelle Winters and my website is Michelle right now. M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-R-I-G-H-T-N-O-W.com. Like right now in the closet, Michelle right now, that kind of thing. <laughs> Michelle right now.com. If you want to email me directly, it's Michelle at Michelle right now.com. There you go, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, awesome episode, tons of insights, tons of great stuff. Michelle, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for thinking I have an influence on this industry because that still just cracks me up. I, I hope I do, but I don't know that it's that much <laughs> well, right now. Well, you had an influence on me, Kylie. Awesome. Had an influence on the mindset and the pressure that you bring to me in your business, and I hope to be like you. 
Uh, you, you, we're all going to do it. We're all going to get where we want to go. We're going to make it happen. We're going to build each other up. We're going to change this industry from the inside out. And that's that's going to be yes. the key. Awesome. Thank Agreed. you, Michelle. Okay, let's go. All right. Yes, let's Bye. do this. Bye. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this week. To keep the conversation going, head on over to the Floor Academy Facebook group. Be sure to subscribe so you can hear each and every episode. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and most major podcast directories. Don't forget to leave a review and let us know what you think about the show. If you would like to be a guest, have questions or feedback, you can email us at FloorAcademyPodcast at gmail.com. You can help support the show by becoming a patron over at www.patreon.com slash Floor Academy. Remember to learn while you earn.